how we always set milk and cookies out for Santa on Christmas Eve, just for the sake of tradition. Yeah, it's fun, even though we know Dad is really the one who... Don't spoil it, Charlie. Uh, yeah, well, it's still fun. It reminds me of Tom and how he was in charge of pouring Santa's milk. That's a wonderful memory, Charlie. I've been praying the Lord would bring Tom home after fighting in the war for nearly two years now. Yes, it's been a long wait for all of us. But God has done some amazing things in the waiting. We're closer to God and each other for it. Waiting and war. Those can feel very sad, can't they? But in the midst of all that, there's still room for joy. Oh yeah, we always read the Christmas story every Christmas Eve. That's right, son. Now listen as I read and see what you hear about joy. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Can you just imagine how amazing that must have been? After waiting for so long, the joy they felt knowing the long-awaited Messiah was finally here. Who could that be? That's odd at this hour. Surprise, Merry Christmas, I'm home. Tom! Welcome home, son. It's Tom. I can't believe you're home. We missed you so much. I miss y'all so much, too. Tom, you're home. I'm so glad they can get me home before Christmas. I love you, Mom. I love you, too, Tom. Wow, y'all decorated the place beautifully. And look at how much you all have grown. Kids, I have some gifts for you. Emily, this one's for you. Oh, thank you. What's wrong, Emily? I just can't believe you're home, Tom. I missed you so much. I missed you too, but I'm back now. Chin up, open your gift. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Tom, it's beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. Charlie, I got one for you too. I can't wait to see it. Whoa, a P24 bomber. It's awesome. Thanks, Tom. You're welcome. You're the best. Kids, come over. Let's see those gifts. Oh, there's a new picture on the mantle. Psalms 511. Let all who take refuge in you rejoice, and let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them, that all who love your name may be filled with joy. I've been praying that verse over you all this time. I'm just so thankful you're home safe. Thanks, Mom. I felt that joy and protection even in the hardest parts of war. The Lord has kept me safe and has brought me home. If you're new to Northside, we do something every week as we prepare to open up God's Word and look at it. So if you have your Bibles with you, would you hold it up right now and repeat after me what we believe about this book. This is God's Word. It is a perfect treasure of divine instruction. It has God for its author, salvation for its end, and truth without any mixture of error for its matter. 
It is the supreme source of truth for what we believe and how we live. Now turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Let me ask you a question. What, what is the best Christmas gift you've ever received? What is that one gift that brought a smile to your face? It, it made you happy. What, what's that gift? Well, immediately I can remember two gifts growing up that really made me happy. The first gift was a pair of pants that my mom made me. Now, remember, this was the 70s. And these pants, they had a large bell bottom on the bottom of them. They were bright red, and then they had other colors in them as well. Now, remember, this was the 70s, and Mod Squad, all of that stuff, and I loved those pants. And so the very first week I had them, I wore them to the skating rink. But the very first time I fell at the skating rink, my pants ripped wide open all the way down from the back to the front. There went my pants. The second gift that I vividly remember that I really liked was this ski jacket my parents got me. I, I loved going snow skiing, and I had the, this dream of being a professional skier one day. Now, obviously, I'm not, but I had that dream back then. And so that very first week after Christmas, I was wearing that jacket out when me and my friends were having a firecracker war. Now, young people, close your ears. Don't listen. That wasn't really a wise thing to do. But we were having a firecracker war, and I had firecracker stuffed in both of my pockets of that jacket. And somehow, some way, I don't know how it happened, but somehow, some way, a spark got into my pocket. And those firecrackers started going off while I was wearing that jacket. And they were just popping all over the place. I was ripping that jacket off. My jacket was on fire. I threw it to the ground. I started stomping on it. I finally got the fire out. But I had this huge hole in the side of my jacket. That's the last time I wore that ski jacket. Now, what gift can you think of? that brought happiness to you? Or, or better yet, what gift would you like to have this Christmas season? Rolling Stone magazine had a, a list of the 30 most favorite holiday gifts on people's wish list. Some of the items were a Samsung frame TV. It, it looks like a piece of art in your house. I was thinking, man, that's pretty cool. I, I, I would like that. And then there were Apple AirPod Pro. I mean, you know, I don't have an Apple. That's of the devil. But, um, but if you have an Apple phone, I guess you would, you know, like the AirPod Pros. But that was on the list. And then this sounds pretty exciting, a master class subscription. And what it is, it's a virtual platform of over 180 online courses taught by actors, taught by by college professors, different kinds of people, and you can order those classes. And then there was the Peloton exercise bike. If you exercise, you know how um, popular those Peloton things are. So that was some of the things on the Rolling Stone list. But you may think, I have a little more money. I'd like to buy something a little more extravagant this Christmas. Well, every year, Neiman Marcus puts out their Christmas fantasy list. And so if you've got a little extra change that you can spare this Christmas, here's some things you can do. 
You can, you can be a, a character in an animated Disney movie. That's pretty cool, isn't it? You can be a character in an animated Disney movie. It only costs you $510,000. And so if you'd like to be in a, an animated Disney movie, you got $510,000 to spare, you can do that. Or you can do a treasure hunt in Bali. That sounds pretty exciting. $485,000. That's not too bad. It's better than five hundred ten, dollars I guess. But, but the thing that I really liked, I, I mean, if some of you are saying, you know, I'd like to buy my pastor something. There, there's a one-of-a-kind electric Cadillac. One-of-a-kind. There's only one of these made. $975,000. And so if you're just thinking, you know, I, I, I let Pastor Appreciation Month slip by. I want to do something special at Christmas, that one-of-a-kind electric Cadillac, only $975,000. Now, some of you may be saying, it would really be nice to have that kind of money where you could buy those kinds of gifts. But what you need to understand is even the most expensive gifts will only bring you temporary happiness. But Jesus can bring you lasting joy. My pants that I really loved, my jacket that I thought was the best ever, they were destroyed. And what you need to understand is your gifts will eventually wear out, break down, or tear up. Or you may just get tired of them. That's how gifts are. You see, our gifts that bring us happiness will allow that happiness to, to eventually fade away. But the joy that Jesus gives us will never fade away. It's forever. Now, some people confuse happiness and joy. They think it's the same thing, but it's not. Happiness is an emotion. Joy is a work of God. Happiness depends on what happens to you. Joy is dependent upon who lives in you. Happiness is external, while joy is internal. Happiness is based on our circumstances. Joy is experienced regardless of our circumstances. Ha happiness is like a thermometer that, that registers our conditions. But joy is like a thermostat that regulates our conditions. Happiness often disappears when, when we experience suffering, but supernaturally, Joy seems to intensify when we experience suffering. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, joy is the serious business of heaven. Joy is found, the word joy is found 165 times in the Bible. Let me read you a couple of verses. Romans 15. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him. John 15, verse 11. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. You see, the truth is joy comes from God. You can't produce it. You can't manufacture it. All you can do is receive it. Joy is a work of the Holy Spirit doing his work in you. 
You see, the God of all creation is saying, I'm going to give you my joy, the joy that I experienced. And when you have my joy, that joy is going to overflow out of you. It's going to spill out on the people around you. And Jesus came to this earth that very first Christmas so that you and I could experience joy. Now, if your Bibles are open to Luke chapter 2, I want you to follow along as I read Luke's account of the Christmas story. Listen to what it says. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph went to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy, mega joy, overflowing joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about the child. And, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. As the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now this morning, I want to share with you three things about joy. If you've been here for the last three weeks, we've been looking at, at peace, the peace that only comes through Jesus. The hope that Jesus gives that is a hope that is beyond this life. It's not found in the here and now, and it's, it's found in the hereafter. And then joy, that's what we want to look at today. And so the first thing I want us to see is who can experience joy. And the good news is we are told that everyone can experience joy, unlike the, the demon Marcus fan, fantasy gifts that are only for, for the most rich of us. The joy that Jesus brings is for everyone. In Luke chapter 2, verse 10, the angels told the shepherds that he was bringing good news of great joy to all people. Now, if your Bibles are open and you don't mind marking in your Bible, I would encourage you to either underline or circle that phrase, all the people. You see, the good news isn't for a few or select group of people. The good news isn't for good or religious people. The Bible tells us that the good news is for everyone, everywhere. Re regardless of your, your nation of origin, Jesus brings good news. Regardless of your ethnic background, Jesus brings good news. Regardless of your sinful past, Jesus brings good news. Jesus brings good news to everyone, to anyone, all over the place. 
And so if you're here this, this morning and you're wondering, is the good news for me? I've got good news of great joy for you. God loves you. And Jesus came to save you. And so who is this joy for? It's for everyone. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, how old you may be. If you want the joy that only comes from Jesus, he will give it to you. Now, the second thing we see in this passage is how can we experience this joy? And the answer is this joy is only made possible through a relationship with God found in Jesus Christ. You see, the Bible makes clear and observation confirms that both we and this world are messed up. We are all tainted by sin. And our very best efforts will never bring us the peace that we're looking for, the hope that we long for, or the joy that we wish we had. Our only hope for joy is that our sins will be forgiven. And the only way that can happen is through Jesus Christ. I want you to listen to what David said in Psalms. He said, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. You see, the only way for that to happen is through both believing in and receiving Jesus into your life. Do you remember the story of Paul and Silas locked in that Philippian jailer or that um, jail in Philippi? Do you remember that? They, they, had, they had cast a demon out of this slave girl, and because of that, her owner, her master, had lost his ability to make money through her telling the future. And so they threw Paul and Silas into this, this Philippian jail. They beat him. And, and the Bible says that around midnight, Paul and Silas were singing praises to God. An earthquake happened. All of the doors to the cells came open. The jailer thought all of the prisoners had escaped. And he was getting ready to kill himself when Paul and Silas yelled out, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. That's where I want us to read in Acts 16, verse 30. Listen to what it says. He, that is the jailer, he then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You see, obviously this jailer had noticed that there was something different in the life of Paul and Silas. They had heard them singing praises to God. They had most likely, or he had most likely, heard them sharing their story with other prisoners in the cells. And he said, what must we do to be safe? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole family. Now notice what Paul said to the jailer. He said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The jailer believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was saved, and it brought great joy to his life. But listen, not only to his life, it brought great joy to his entire family because his entire family got saved. On that very first Christmas night, the angel told those shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy. And then he told them what the good news was. He said, 
For a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now, each of those three things are important for us to hear and understand. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Christ. And Jesus is the Lord. You see, Jesus is our Savior, the one who saves us from our sin. I want you to remember what the angel told Joseph. He said, you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. Later, Jesus said this. He said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus then said, I didn't come to judge the world, but to save the world. The Apostle John wrote, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And the Apostle Paul said, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And the truth is, listen, we all need a Savior, one who will save us from our sins. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And each and every one of us are a sinner. We need a Savior, one who will pay the price of our sins. Jesus is our Savior. But Jesus is not only our Savior, Jesus is our Christ, the one who sets us free from whatever enslaves us. Now that name Christ is a title that was given to the Messiah, the one that the Jews were looking for. They were looking for this Messiah who would come, who would deliver them from their oppressors. Their oppressor at that time in history was Rome, and, and they felt like the Messiah would deliver them from Roman oppression. Now they were right. Jesus came into the world. The Messiah was coming into the world to set us free, but he didn't come to set us free from political oppression. Jesus came to set us free from sin. Now today we have developed all kind of support groups here in America for every kind of problem imaginable. We have we have AA, we have, we have NA, we have Overeaters Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, six sex addict support groups, nicotine support groups. We have support groups for about everything imaginable. And these groups are good, understand. But all of these groups say the same thing. We can't set you free from what has ensnared you. AA says this. They say, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. What they say is, we can help you stop drinking, but we can't set you free from alcohol. But I want you to notice what Jesus said. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. You see, Jesus came to this earth to set you free from whatever ensnares you, from whatever is holding you captive. I don't know what it is in your life. It may be alcohol, it may be drugs, it may be nicotine. It could be a host of things, pornography, I don't know. And you may think, I, I, I can never be set free from this. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ came into this world to set you free from the power of sin. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our Christ. And finally, Jesus is our Lord. He is the one who sits on the throne of our life. And, and this is the one that we most often forget. You see, Jesus didn't just come to this earth to save us from our sin. Jesus came to this earth to take over our life. And it seems like that 
that we have forgotten that submitting to the lordship of Jesus is part of the good news. When Paul was sharing the gospel in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, he said, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Now, what did he say we had to confess? We had to confess Jesus is what? Jesus is Lord. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe with our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. But Jesus said, or Paul said, that we have to confess that he is our Lord. Later on, Paul said this. He said, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is coming a day when every king, every president, every ruler, every dictator who has ever lived will kneel before the one true king. And that day will occur at judgment. But for us to be saved, for us to go to heaven, we have to surrender to Jesus' lordship now. And why wouldn't we? If he is our creator, and he is, then he knows what is best for us. He knows why we were created. He knows what will ultimately bring us peace and hope and joy. I mean, why wouldn't we want to surrender to him? So the good news is we have a Savior who can pay for our sins. We have a Christ who can set us free from whatever enslaves us. And we have a Lord who will guide and direct our lives. That's how we experience joy. But there's a third thing we see in this passage, and that is what happens to me when I experience this joy. You see, the shepherds didn't just hear this message and, and go back to life as it was. That message that Jesus was bringing good news of great joy for all people, it changed their lives. So they went to Bethlehem to, to see this newborn king. And the Bible tells us that, that when they left there, they went telling everyone. There are two things that happen when I meet Jesus as my Savior, my Christ, my Lord. First, I become a witness. We see that in verse 17. It says, when they had seen him, they spread the word. And isn't that natural? I mean, if, if we really come to know Jesus, we want other people to know Jesus, don't we? I mean, the most logical thing in the world is when something good happens to us to tell other people. I mean, imagine. Imagine that you were walking through the woods and, and you fell into a pool of water. And when you got up out of that water, you looked 20 years younger. And all the aches and pains in your body went away. Wouldn't you go home and tell your family, tell your friends, tell people, I found something that changed my life. Men, I know that many of you would be taking your wives there. You'd be throwing them in. And if you've got aches and pains, man, you'd be diving in there. You'd want everyone to experience that. And you see, when we have experienced Jesus, we will become a witness to Jesus. We will be telling the world about him. But we'll not just become a witness, we'll become a worshiper. Verse 20 says, they returned glorifying and praising God. Now understand, they continued being shepherds. They went back to the fields. But they went back to the fields as worshipers. Their lives had been changed. 
It has been said that, that many of us worship our work. We work at our play, and we play at our worship. But I'm here to tell you that when you meet Jesus, worship becomes a priority of your life. It's not just an Easter thing or a Christmas thing. It's an everyday thing. It's not just a Sunday thing. It's an everyday thing. And so I would ask you this morning, have you experienced the joy that can only come from Jesus? A joy that changes everything about us from the inside out. The only way we can experience that is to accept Jesus as our Savior. Realize that we're sinners and we need someone to forgive us. Accept him as our Christ. Recognize that it's only through him that we can have the power to overcome those sins that ensnare us. And then have we accepted him as our Lord? Have we given him control of our life? Are we allowing him to guide and direct us as we walk through life, making decisions, deciding what is right and wrong? Oh, dear friends, listen to me. Christmas is all about Jesus coming to this earth so that you and I could have a Savior, Christ, the Lord. I want you to bow your head with me for just a moment. And if you're here this morning and you have not accepted Jesus into your life as your Savior, your Christ, your Lord, then I want to invite you, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how old you are, if you're here and you want to give your life to Christ, it's as simple as asking Him. If you want that, you can pray this simple prayer today if you mean it from all your heart. You can say, Dear God, I humbly come to you today admitting I'm a sinner. I need help. Jesus, I know you came to this earth. You died on a cross. You rose from the grave so my sins could be forgiven. Today I'm asking you to save me. Today I'm giving you control of my life. From this point on, Jesus, I want to follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Now look at me. 